In this warfare, many times I have failed him. I wish I could call back many a day. But there's one thing I'm asking. Please don't judge my heart's contentions by some fault or failure you've seen on my way. I may have lost the fight, but I've not lost the battle. And I may be wounded, but I'm still marching on. I'm not a hero, just a tired, trembling soldier. Beneath this armor beats the heart of a man. seen me so strong and victorious the enemy was slaughtered down at my feet but holding a sword was a hand that was trembling for I knew that alone defeat. I may have lost the fight, but I've not lost the battle. And I may be wounded, but I'm still marching on. I'm not a hero, just a tyrant trembling soldier beneath this armor beats the heart of a man I may have lost the fight but I've not lost the battle and I may be wounded but I'm still marching on trembling soldier beneath this armor beats the heart of a man beneath this armor beats the heart of a
just heard by Brother Johnson, didn't you? Boy, what a good message. Boy, it'll make you think, won't it? What crowd you'll see in there. And uh, I'm glad that this young man here got in the family of God. I'm glad to see that tonight. And what a good message. And I've enjoyed being here and all the music always. Every time I've ever been here all these years, the music's always just tops and good. And I always enjoy it and the fellowship and everything's just good. It's got a good place. I hope you know it. I hope you know it. You know, it's sort of like Brother Johnson talking about going over there in Africa or India, wherever they were at there, and you couldn't get any water. You know, a lot of times people get in a church like this and everything's flowing good. You've got a good church. But then you take it for granted that, you know, the water's always going to come on. It's always going to be in a certain way. It's always going to be good. That don't always happen. There's churches all through the South. And Brother Johnson, you can look at the buildings and tell they had it going on at one time, had to build that building. I'm, I'm talking about a building seat 600 with balconies in it. Now they're empty, they're for sale, you can buy them. And uh, you said, what happened? I'm not sure. But it might have been where she couldn't wasn't thankful for what they had. You better, you better always think about your church, the pastor, what you God's given you. You take the music for granted, you take the facilities, you take the Spirit of God being here, and you take things that it's going to be there. Well, uh, you better you better get on your face and thank God, not take anything for granted. It can, it can be away, it can be gone that fast. And so you better thank the Lord for what you have. And while the coffee's cooking, you better thank God the way things smell it. Amen. Yeah, you better be thankful. Well, it's been good, and I've enjoyed hearing Brother Johnson preach. I always, every time he preaches, I get, I get, I get something for me personally, and man, I get sermon thoughts. I get, I mean, just, it's just coming faster than writing down, but it's good, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate Brother Bell knowing him all these many years, and Brother Richardson, Brother Nan, some of these preachers that I've known for a lot of years. It's good to see them and many of you that have been here since the first time I ever came here. Some of you are here that have been here for years and years and many years. And I commend you for staying, sticking by the stuff and uh, through hard times, good times, bad times, sad times, all of it. You know, you, you when you do that, I'm going to preach to you, you accumulate war stories. And uh, we, we had a man in our church, he's in heaven now, but he, he actually jumped into Normandy, the invasion, he parachuted into Normandy invasion. He was in the army 36 years. He was in the 82nd, I believe, when he jumped into Normandy, got shot later by a sniper, like to died, got better, went to Korea, fought through Korea, like he got killed there, 
volunteered for Vietnam. Listen, and this man's one of the best Christians, maybe the best out of just about everybody. Listen to this, this is incredible. And, uh, but when he would wear that uniform, he'd come to our Christian school and uh, teach history. He'd wear his dress uniform, he'd still get in it. And he'd come in and he would talk about World War II history to our high school. Now you're talking about people listening. Brother, he wasn't making up stuff. He had war stories. Let me tell you, when you're a member of a church like this for years and you stay with it, you got war stories. You got victory stories. You got stories about what you've seen God do. Think of the children of Israel. It was with Moses, what they had, they wanted to come out of Egypt, what they could have told you that they've seen God do. You stick with your church, be faithful. 1 Samuel 21, let me get at it here and try to preach a little bit. 1 Samuel 21 and uh, verse number 1. Would you stand with me and we'll uh, read these few verses. It says, Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? And David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business uh, whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee, and have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or what is there present? And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there's hallowed bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women, and David answered the priest and said unto him of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is uh, in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread, that was taken from before the Lord to put bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain uh, man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, uh, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear nor sword, for I have neither brought my sword, nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is none other save that here. And David said, uh, There is none like it given me. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish the king of Gath. Our Heavenly Father, help me to preach with God's hand and God's presence and touch upon me. Help me to remember what I ought to say and omit and forget what you don't want me to say. Please control me. Thank you for the good message we've already heard. Thank you for the good music, the fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. And I'm preaching to you tonight on this thought, the king's business. Notice uh, there in verse 2, uh, the king, or rather the priest, 
Ahimelech asked David, uh, why are you here? And he said in verse number two, the king hath commanded me a business. You see that in verse two? Then when he gets down uh, to verse number eight, and, and David said to Ahimelech, and is there not here under thine hand spear nor sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. The king's business. You know, tonight, that's what we're in. That's what Brother uh, Johnson talked about a while ago. Getting in God's business. Getting, getting do, doing something for the Lord. And I am so thrilled tonight that God uh, lets you and me. I mean, I don't have to do what I'm doing. I'm glad, I mean, just to get to be, to do anything. I mean, to get to do anything. And God uh, placed me in his business. And here's David now running from Saul. He's just left. And you remember David was best friends with Jonathan, the, the, the son of Saul. And David tried to attend a, a banquet there, a meal they were having, and Saul tried to s stick a javelin in him. So the next time they got ready to have a meal, David told Jonathan, said, I'm, not, I'm afraid to come in. I'm afraid to even come, come around. And he said, well, he said, I think I need to flee. And so Jonathan said, tell you what, you let me talk to Dad. You let me talk to him. And I think I could maybe fix things to where he'll... I could do something with him, and you go out, and you get uh, out in the uh, other side of the field where I go out and practice with my bow, and you get over there in the rocks on the outskirts of that field, and the, by the rock of Ezel, and you get over there, and I'll come out after I've talked to him, and I will shoot arrows with my bow, and if I shoot, and the arrows come in on this side of you, you'll know it's safe to come in. If the arrows go beyond thee, you'll know you've got to flee. And so when Jonathan shot the arrows uh, uh, towards David, uh, there in his direction, the arrows went over his head and went beyond him. And then Jonathan gave his, it says artillery, but it was just his bow and his equipment to the lad and sent him back, and then David went, or Jonathan went to David, and hugged him and kissed him, and said, "I hate to tell you this, but uh, he, you, you've got to go." And so David had some men that was already uh, loved David, and was known that God was on David, and they they went with David, and these men and David took off. Now, brother, Bell, let me tell you something. I really believe David thought that Jonathan might be able to talk to him, and I think he was praying that way. And, and the reason he did not have a sword with him or a bow or anything like that because David wasn't looking for war. David, peace was in his heart. He wasn't looking to fight Saul. He didn't want to fight him. And I think David was saying, Jonathan, will, he's a peacemaker, and he'll go in there and talk to his dad, and his dad will uh, humble down maybe, and, and I can go back in and everything's going to be all right. This was his son-in-law. And, and I mean... You'd have thought that things get, but he went. He tried to kill Jonathan. He got mad at Jonathan, cussed him out, and was going to kill him. So Jonathan told David, "You got to go." You know, sometimes arrows go over your head, and ain't a thing you can do about it. 
Sometimes there's just not a thing you can do. The arrows are going to go over the top of your head with some situations, and there's nothing you can do about it. Such was the case here. But David knows he's got to run, so he runs, and he takes these men with him, and, and they're not afraid, but they're running to save from battle. And these men that was with David wasn't afraid, but they ran, and David had no weapon. And he goes to the, they were hungry. He goes to Ahimelech the priest and, and asks for bread. And he said, well, we got this showbread that we're going to move this out and put in fresh and uh, you, can, you can have it. And then David said, uh, and he said, but David, why are you, I mean, what, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm on business for the king. Well, he really was. You said, well, what was the business? God was manufacturing a king here. See, the way to the palace is by the way of the wilderness. Until you've been in the caves and until you've been through the wilderness, you're not fit to sit on the throne. And so David is getting ready to go to school here. And then down in verse 8, he said, if you got any weapons here, he said, the only thing I got is the, the sword that you used to kill, the, the, I mean the sword that you took from Goliath when you killed him. He said, get it, there's none like it. You know why? It had never lost a fight till he met up with David, and he didn't get a chance to pull it that day. You see? And so David takes this big uh, sword of this champion warrior, and, and he said, why did you not have your weapons? He said to David, and David said, because the king's business requires haste. I was in a hurry. The king business requires haste. Let me say, Brother Johnson, if in history that the king's business has ever required haste, it's now. If the king's business has ever been to where we need to get with the king's business, it's right now. Let me give you these thoughts. First of all, the king's business is a required business. It's required. Look here. You don't, when you get saved, you may think you, you ain't got to get in it. But the Bible said, what? Know ye not that you were bought with a price? There's men sat in this room. I know the pastor was. I know Brother Johnson was the Air Force. Brother Mann used the military. And a lot of you men sat in there with military men. And brother, let me tell you something. When you signed your name on that dotted line, whether you was drafted or joined or whatever you've done, when you got in there, they told you every time to eat when you've done everything you've done. You know why? As far as they're concerned, you belong to them. Amen? You belong to them. Well, let me tell you something. You and I were bought, we sung about it tonight, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're bought. We're bought with a price. And we're not our own. So let me say this. It's required that you serve God. Now, I want to serve God, but it's not just, well, we hope you do. But look right here. You don't understand this thing. It's required. Hey, you know what? When I was in school, there's one subject I hated, and I, I hated in my 10th grade math class that I had. I hated it, brother. Oh, listen, I'm being honest. The teacher, I didn't really that much care for the teacher who was teaching it. He, I mean, I just couldn't get what I needed from him, and it was probably more me than him, but it was just, it, it, but I just did not like that 
And you know what I did? I failed at it. And after a while, the math class was right at fifth period, sixth period, I had phys ed. I had phys ed. It worked out. I had it every, all three high school years, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, phys ed in sixth period. But I got to where I ate that math class so bad, I didn't bother to go to it. I just go fifth period and go to the gym. I played football and everything and wrestled wrestling team stuff. Well, the coach, he didn't care. He didn't care. He wanted to see in good shape anyhow. So I come there and I just work out and gym and, and then when football practice started, I go in and put on my pads and we hit the field. And I thought, hey, it don't matter. It ain't that big a deal. I mean, I'm doing good everywhere else. But wait a minute. When I got ready to graduate, hey, Brother Bell, I went in and I said, well, what do I need? And they looked and they said, well, it looks like you got it. Well, wait a minute, though. One thing here you're going to have to get. I said, what is it? They said, 10th grade math. And I was a senior. I said, what? They said, you got to, you have to, you have to have 10th grade math. I said, why? They said, because it is required. You know what I did? In the 12th grade, it humbled me. I had to go back and sit in a 10th grade class with a bunch of sophomores and take a 10th take a grade math class and I had to pass it. You say, why? I wanted a diploma and I wanted out. I had the same teacher, the same time, the same class. And this time, I said, I'm going to dig in and make it. And I did. But it was required, and I found it out. Look right here. You're going to find out one day at the judgment seat of Christ that it was required. And I'm going to tell you something. Folks, the best thing to do if you want to enjoy the Christian life is to understand that the king's business is a required business. Now, it may be, and by the way, God puts different things he wants us to do. What I'm trying to say, some, it may be the will of God might be being an usher. It might be being a, 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 a greeter. It might be being a song leader. It might be uh, working in the nursery or driving a bus or working a bus route or whatever it might be, singing in the choir. I don't know what God wants for, but I will say this, that if you're saved and you're not in the king's business, there's something that matters. Well, you say, well, why should we get into the uh, king's business? Well, first of all, listen, the days is dangerous. David was living in dangerous days. Folks, listen, if there's ever been dangerous days and dark days, we're in them in America. Brother, let me tell you, we need everybody that we can find that, listen, witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ and passing out tracts and soul winning and getting busy about the king's business. I mean, hey. Uh, that's what, I mean, everybody here. Why? Men are lost. People are lost without God. They need God. I mean, there's people everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's people lost. I mean, everywhere. I'm talking about they live across the road from you. They live beside you. They live behind you. Some cases, they're in your house. There's relatives. There's people you work with. There's neighbors. There's people, And there's people in this city that nobody has ever went to. And I'm simply saying uh, tonight that uh, we need to get into the king's business because uh, that uh, the destiny of man, that men are doomed without God and they'll go to hell without God. Let me say this, that the king's business is not only uh, required, it's revealed. 
God's never put people to doing something for him that he didn't tell them what to do. You know what he did? He told Noah to build an ark, but he, he told him what kind of wood to build it out of, how long to build it, how tall to build it, where to put the door, where to put a window, uh, who was supposed to be on it, what kind of animals, how many. And then he gave him the message of the gospel of the grace of God and said, you preach and you invite everybody. Get everybody you can saved. And, of course, knowing his wife and the three boys and their wives is all that heeded the message and got saved. But God revealed what he wanted done. You see what I'm trying to say? Nehemiah, when he built those walls back, God told him how he wanted them built, where to put the gates. What to, what to build them out. They worked day and night. And he told him what he wanted done. He sought God. Read it. Study the book of Nehemiah. He went and found out what God wanted. And then he asked leave of the king. He was the king's cupbearer. And he asked leave to go back and do the work of God. Hey, he quit working for the king Artaxerxes and went back and worked for the king of kings. Amen. Hey, listen to me. I mean, anybody you can find. God gave, uh, he revealed how a church is to be built. Well, how's a church to be built? Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Witnesses. Let me say something. I don't care what job you occupy in God's work, you're still supposed to be a soul-winning witness. You ought to be a witness. Brother, I'm telling you, we make this thing too complicated. You know, Sunday, I, 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 had, uh, I preached Sunday. We had services. And I, I only got to go home for about 20 minutes Sunday afternoon, me and my wife. And then we had to leave there and go to the funeral home and was there for a couple of hours, then back to church for the Sunday evening service. And, and, and then got in about 10.30 that night. But we only went home about 15 minutes. My wife had ordered something, and they delivered it on Sunday afternoon when we was getting in the car leaving. We was getting ready to leave. And we was getting in our car, getting ready to back out of the driveway. An Amazon truck up here stopped, and a woman, a, a, a lady jumped out of it with a little box. And she said, well, she looked at me, she said, well, I'll tell you something, y'all are dressed up this afternoon. What's the occasion? I said, well, the occasion is I've been to the house of God today getting ready to go back. And I said, and, and I'm so saved, it's pitiful. I told that woman. I said, I'm saved and on my way to heaven. And Brother Johnson, she looked at me as, as sincere as she knew. She said, you're saved. I said, I'm saved. She said, what is that? And I reached in here, and I got me a gospel track. And I said, I'm going to tell you. Look right here. I said, look there. How to know for sure you're going to heaven. And I opened up that little old track, and I started in. On that first John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. I said, young lady, would you like to know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? I sure would. And brother, I went down, I mean right down the Romans Road with her. And listen, I've never seen anybody more receptive. And she said, I've never heard that in my life. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you, she said. Thank you for taking time to share that with me and tell me about Christ. Boy, I got in the car and I told my wife, I said, you think God didn't want us to come back here for 15 minutes? I said, God wanted us back here for just for 15 minutes to catch that woman, to win that woman to Christ. Hey, I'm telling you, it's a reveal business. You just check in, get up every morning and, and, and report in for duty. And let me tell you something, if you'll surrender to God and say, Lord, what would you have me do? I'm going to tell you right now, he'll have you to be a witness. You ought to be a witness everywhere you go. Uh, listen, it's a, it's a reveal business, see? And then let me say this, it's a responsible business. It's a responsible business. Listen to me. Over there in Ezekiel in the third chapter, God told Ezekiel, I'm going to put you as a watchman on the wall. Watchman out. And you warn them. You preach and you warn them. And if you warn them, he said, their blood will I require on their hands. But if you fail to warn them, their blood will I require on your hands. Brother, let me tell you something. We're going to have some bloody hands if we ain't careful about this thing because of responsibility. Brother, it's your, you're responsible for trying to get people saved. Hey, a while back, just, just a few months ago, a couple of three months ago, I had a lady in my church one Sunday afternoon, sorry, Saturday afternoon, 5 o'clock. We got in from bus visitation. Me and my wife got in. We, we, we bus meeting, we have breakfast at 8.30 and then we take off and we visit. And sometimes I'll have a hospital or two to go to and then I work at the bus route. We got in about 5 o'clock and I sat down and I told my wife, I said, I am wore out. She said, me too. She said, I'll fix this little something to eat. She said, sit down and rest. This honest truth. I had no more than sat down and my cell phone rang and it was one of my ladies and she said, Pastor, are you home? I said, yeah, I just got, just got in. Well, preacher, I hate to even call you. And this is what she said. My nephew, Michael, is in the Forsyth ICU. He's in a lot of trouble. I don't know everything that happened. I just know he's in a lot of trouble. And, but he's dying. He's been sick for a long time. He's dying. He's 28 years old. And his mother called me and said, they said he's got two hours or three to live, no more than three hours. She said, I hate to ask you. She said, I bet you're just kidding me. And I said, well, that's okay. She said, can you go and see him? I said, I'll go right now. And I got up and walked and, walked and got my coat and my New Testament and told my wife, I said, I'm headed for Forsyth. It's 35 miles. Out the interstate forest. I said, I'm going to see this boy. She said, You know him? I said, No, but it's so and so's niece or nephew. And she said, He's dying. And I dropped that old Mercury, and buddy, I put her in the wind. I took off out Highway 601 and hit 801 and then 40, and I took off for Forsyth Hospital, and I got there and uh, pulled up in the parking lot, jumped out, run in, and got to the information desk. So I'm going to find out exactly where he's at. 
And I asked this woman, I said, ma'am, I said, do you have Michael? Can I give you last name? She said, who are you? I said, well, I'm, 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 I'm Brother Cox. I'm the pastor. I'm the pastor. She said, are you his pastor? I said, no, he ain't got a pastor. I said, look, let me just tell you something. He's going to hell. And his aunt just called me and said he's got about two hours to live. I said, really, if you want to come back, want me to come back and you want to talk about why I'm here or whatever, I'll come back. And I tell you, I said, we ain't got much time. I said, you're going to hell. Her eyes got big. She said, I see you too. And handed me that paper. And I took off down the hall, got on the elevator, went up. But man, I walked in and got in that room and walked down the hallway and turned into his room, door standing wide open. And that boy is setting up in the bed, propped up rather, tubes and machines and stuff all around him. He's conscious. I walked in. There wasn't a soul in that room, not a soul. And I walked in there. And I said, Michael, and when I did, he opened his eyes. He said, yeah. I said, I'm Lynn's pastor. He said, oh, yes. He said, now you know. I said, she sent me. She said, you was very sick. He said, I am. He said, and I'll give you a kiss. Of course, he did. And I said, son, look, I'm not a doctor. But I said, I'm a Baptist preacher. And I can tell you what you need to do to get saved. And I said, you need, you need to be saved. He said, I do. And brother, he was as ready. I mean to tell you, listen, he is ready. I went through the plan of salvation with him, and he bowed his head, and I bowed mine and prayed with him. And when I looked up, when I looked up, there was three police officers standing there around me and four nurses. They come in the room while we're praying. And the nurse, the head nurse said, Reverend, thank you for your services, but you have to leave. This is a secured situation here and you can't be here. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, I've done what I come to do. And I said, Michael? He said, yes, sir. See you on the other side, buddy. He said, Reverend, I'll see you. Listen, three hours is in eternity. The king's business requireth haste. We need to get serious about this thing. I was looking up there a while ago, getting back to soul winning. Let me tell you something. Brother, I don't know what happened, but somewhere in there, we sort of backed up on a lot of that. And we started getting fancy and slick and slicking up everything. We got so slick, we slid in the ditch. And what you better do is you better get out of it and get back to doing what God put, built the church from the time that Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell not prevail against it. It's always been rescuing the perishing and caring for the dying. Let me tell you something tonight. Bless God, it's about soul winning. The king's business requires haste. I was at the, I was at the shelter here a few weeks ago and a uh, lady there I talked to, there's a family side, a shelter where there's been battered families and all that kind of stuff. And I'll go by and try to get some of them on my bus. 
And I got in there and visited the regulars that ride with me. And I said to this woman, is there any new ones moved in here this week? You know, they got about 10 or 12 rooms down through there. She said, well, there's one that said she's Spanish and cannot speak one word of English. She's there at number six. And I said, all right. And I'm going to be honest with you, preacher. I started talking. I even passed the door. And then I got, and I thought, well, I can say two or three words. I hate to leave that woman and not say nothing. So here's what I did. She opened the door. Stayed this young Mexican girl, about 25 years old, stood there, little baby laying there on a blanket. And I said, hola. Como esta? She said, como esta? I said, el pastor. And I had a picture of uh, me on there with a bus. And I said, manana. She said, see. I said, iglesia, autobus, autobus. She said, see. I mean, man. She said, she said, I didn't want to do that. I just said, hey. And that, and I tried the best I could. She smiled. I said, you go in tomorrow, manana. See? Hey, I went by there the next morning, and that girl was standing there with that baby waiting on me. She got up on that bus. And I got a little Mexican boy that rides my bus. He's not really, he's not Mexican, he's from Honduras. And I, I got him saved a while back. His name's Esau. And he comes every Sunday, but I got to get him out of bed every Sunday. And, and it's so regular that when I go to his door and knock on that trailer, if he don't answer the door, I just go in. I say, Esau, I take a pocket knife, you know, and beat on the side of the door because that, that little trailer they can hear it. I said, hey, get up. I said, it's time to go. And if I hear his feet hit the floor, I know he's up. If I don't, I turn the doorknob and stick my head around the door and his little bedroom's right here. I said, Esau, get out of the bed, boy. Get up. Get your clothes on. And that Sunday that I had that woman on there that come, he sat up on the edge of the bed. He said, I ain't going down. I said, yes, you are. I said, I got a woman out here going to hell, and and you're going to help me get her saved. You, you, you get up, get dressed, you're going. So he sat down on the floor and started pulling his tennis shoes on, put a shirt over his head, and he come, his hair all wooled up on one side, you know. He come, he, here he comes out the door, and I said, Esau, I need your help. And he said, what do you need? I said, this, this woman on here is Mexican. And when we get the bus rolling down the road, I said, I'm going to witness to her. And I'm going to tell her how to get saved. And I want you to tell her everything I say. He said, okay. And he sat down in a seat right straight across from her. And I went through the plan of salvation. And he told her everything I said. When I got down, I said, Esau, asked her if she'd pray and receive Christ. He put his hands up like this. And I seen her put her hands like that. Well, she's talking to him now back and he said, yeah, ma'am, she understands. And all the way through, we went through everything. And I led that woman to Christ. 
that Sunday, she walked the aisle, she got baptized, and listen, a sweet Christian lady. He said, where'd that at? The king's business requires haste. The king's business. It's a required business. It's a required business. Brother, let me tell you, it's a responsible business. Hey, I'm going to close with this. It's a rewarding business. It's a rewarding business. Amen? Hey, let me tell you something. There ain't nothing like it. I love it. Man, I like it. You know what Paul said? He said, uh, I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Hey, they're everywhere. People want to get saved all over the place. You know when all that COVID stuff was going on, I went and preached at a revival for Jim Green up in Michigan, a week revival under that tent. And I'm coming home, and, you know, a lot of people wasn't flying. Well, I had a first-class seat because of that. I mean, it was about empty up there. And, you know, they graded me up, they upgraded me, and I was in first class. And the whole time I've been studying my Bible, getting ready for Sunday. And I'm writing notes and reading and everything. About 20 minutes before we landed in Charlotte, this flight attendant, young man, 28-year-old man, had a mask on, sharp-looking fella, walked over to me, and Brother Johnson, he got right down at me, and he looked at me, he said, Sir, can you help me? Well, most of the time when they tell me, can you help me? They said, you need to leave your seat forward or you need to put that bag under the seat or something I'm doing, something I shouldn't be doing. And I said, well, sure, what, what can I do? I thought you were going to tell me to put my tray up, get my Bible away, get ready to land. He said, can you help me? I said, well, sure, what can I do for you? He looked right in my eyes and said, sir, he said, I am scared. And he said, sir, I don't know if there is a God, but if there is a God, do you think you could get him to help you? And uh, I said, yeah, I think I can get that worked out. And he said, he said, sit down on the arm of the chair across the aisle from me. He's staring right in my eyes. I ain't never had anybody look in my eyes that deep. He's hanging on every word. And brother, I couldn't just start on the wrong foot. I had to go back. I, I literally went back to Genesis and told God what he had done to me. I came down and I showed him how bad my foot. And because of that, we lost somebody. And I explained that. I said, one day, thank God, God will bless you. And that got me some Russia before I grew up in Russia. And uh, told him about the Savior. And I said, son, if you take Jesus Christ as your Savior, God spits me if I feel ministry. He said, yeah. And he prayed and asked God to save him. And then he said, where would I get one of them Bibles like that? I said, will you give me your address and I'll mail you a brand new Schofield. When I get on the ground, I'll send you a brand new Schofield Bible. And I went straight to my office and got a brand new one and signed it to him and mailed it to him. Brother, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. It's a rewarding business. 
I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world. Man, listen, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. They're everywhere. I was just a few weeks ago, I was in Illinois, and I was coming Tuesday night going into room, and a woman that worked, she was a manager of the hotel standing there, and me and this preacher come through the door, we was talking to one another, and uh, come through the door, she said, y'all look like y'all been to a revival or something. I said, we have. That's exactly what we've been to. She said, well, that's wonderful. That's great. That's so good. She said, you know, you need something in these days we're living, don't we? And I said, you know what you really do? I said, where do you go to church? She said, oh, I don't go. I don't attend church. Oh, I do. I said, well, let me ask you something. If you die, do you know you'll go to heaven? No. She said, I, I'd like to know. I said, well, would you let me take this Bible here and show you how this very Bible? She said, well, of course. She went over and sat down at the desk, and I'm standing there and was showing her how to be saved, and a woman come in. She said, I'll have to take care of this, but don't you leave me. I said, I ain't leaving you. I'll back off, and that preacher, he's going over there too. And that woman got that woman in her room, and as soon as she started walking to the elevator, she said, all right, come on back here. Tell me some more. And I went back. She was so happy. She was so happy. She said, oh, sir, thank you. Thank you so much for just telling me. Now, you know what? Why most people, Christians, don't witness? Fear. They're afraid of other people. Let me tell you, they're more afraid of you than you are of them. How about what you say? Just get into kingdom business. It's a reward business. We get to heaven one day, there's going to be people in heaven you took with you. Who is it tonight that God you're thinking about them right now and think they're not even saved. My daddy's in heaven tonight. Thank God. Listen, my daddy got saved. I prayed for him 22 years. Told him he wasn't going to be no preacher. Never found a church. God was with him when he died. I was with him when he died. Saved. My sister's saved. Had a brother saved. My mother's saved. I led my wife to Christ my junior year of high school in 1972. I met her, talked to her in the hallway there. Asked her if I could talk to her. I went, we got to know each other a little bit, and I went to see her in her house. And I didn't even really know that then. I met her in her house. 51 years ago. I'd never heard I just know that God means for sinners to get saved. And the only way he can is if you and me get in the kingdom business. Hey, you know what I am? Hey, I get on these planes sometimes, Brother Johnson, and there'll be a guy, he's executive of some big outfit somewhere, the CEO or something other of some big corporation. Hey, I go by and I think, bless God, you just think you get, you're the big deal. Man, I work for a big outfit. I work for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I mean personally employed. No, no, him personally. Brother, I'm the most important business in the world. And you should be too. 
Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Heads are bowed, eyes closed. 